What's going on, daughters of Eve? I am praying that you are all doing well as you listen to this um to this episode. I'm not gonna lie, this is like the millionth time it feels like that I record this. <laughs> but I'm not giving up because there's no time to give up. So here we go. But um yeah, today's episode is called Invitation to Partnership. This is episode eight. Um, And also, I'm sure you're wondering what I'm nurturing right now because that's a question that we're supposed to ask in every episode. Um, But we haven't. But yeah, what I'm nurturing right now is my health. Definitely trying to get back on track. Uh, Not trying to. I am getting back on track. This week, I've actually gone on three walks so far early early in the morning because it's texas he is no joke and so um it's been great it's been so good i'm like why do, do why do i not do this why have i not done this in so long and so i've already i just feel so good just doing that um a few miles every morning um just trying to get my my body uh, moving honestly and not just that but not eating as much craziness and junk as I have been in these past few months. And so that's where I'm at right now. That's what I'm doing, in case you were wondering. Um, But yeah, today we're going to talk about, again, the title is Invitation to Partnership. We're going to read some of the book of Esther. And um, yeah, I'm excited to see what the Lord is going to do. And let's just go. Let's just dive right in. So we already know the book of Esther and pretty much what happens in the beginning where King Xerxes, Xerxes, is it Xerxes or Xerxes? I think it's Xerxes because it's X's. Um, King Xerxes, you know, is having this banquet. He invites his wife to come out, the queen Vashti to come. And um, he wanted to show her out to everybody because she's just this beautiful woman and she was not having it. She's like, no, I'm not going to do that. And so he got really upset and he removed her from the palace and he divorced her. Pretty intense, if you ask me. But anyway, um, but yeah, so that's when they were searching for a new queen, right? And so, and then we go on to read in chapter two, how all of that went about, how Esther came into the picture and she was being prepared. Um, You know, all these women were being prepared for a year you know six months i think what do they say uh six months uh receiving beauty treatments with oil of myrrh for six months and then with perfumes and cosmetics for another six months um yeah and and already in chapter two is talking about how esther already had all this favor so in verse nine it says the young woman pleased him and gained his favor so that he accelerated the process of the beauty treatments and the special diet that she received. He even assigned seven hand-picked female servants to her from the palace and transferred her and her servants to the harem's best quarters. I mean, can I get a couple of servants to come and help me out clean? No. But yeah, just keep in mind just the amount of favor. And even later on in the chapter, it also shows um, how much favor... Esther has disclaimer you're gonna hear me flip through pages because I'm old school out here so yeah I hope you don't mind um 
So, and even reading chapter two, and I was like, that stood out to me how many times it talked about how much favor. And that's not even like, even the rest of the book, it just confirms how much favor um, Esther had with the king. Um, Spoiler, spoiler alert, but yeah. Um, But that made me think, I'm like, huh, like, are we remembering how the Lord has displayed his favor in our lives before in the past? And I'm saying this in the context of, again, thinking about the title, um, invitation to partnership. So you already know where I'm going with this. Like the Lord invites us to partner with him on things. He gives us the opportunity. Like he wants to do life with us and he part, he wants us to partner with him. Like that's what an honor, you know? Um, and sometimes when we do that or not sometimes, maybe a lot of times when we do that, it can be very scary. Um, cause it means one, we're dying to self two, we're probably being pushed out of our comfort zone and who knows so many different reasons right um but something that i've noticed and even as i was reading this that like i said stood out to me i'm like man lord if i just remember in the past when i have obeyed you like when you've called me to do something and i obeyed and just seeing the fruit of it and seeing your hand on my life just seeing you even like the lord giving me the words to speak Like, again, even with this podcast, just stepping out and the Lord invited me to partner with him on this. Um, And honestly, it took me a long time. Like, it took me years to actually obey, you know. Um, Yeah, (laughs) I just thought about this post. I saw this post the other day. Um, I forgot the man of God's name. But anyway, I shared it because that thing messed me up. It talked about like procrastination just being like, you know, um, I forgot, I'm butchering it. But pretty much procrastination is is like disobedience in the making, you know? I'm like, what? Like that just, <laughs> that just slapped me in the face. But yeah, anyway, going back, are we remembering how the Lord has displayed his favor on us? If we remember what the Lord has said in the past, it's so much easier and how he's equipped us how he empowers us by his spirit it's so much easier to be quicker to obey if that makes sense right um but yeah and and, and moving on so mordecai you know mordecai is her uncle well adopted he adopts her right it's actually he's actually her cousin this whole time i'm like i thought he was her uncle but um in the word here it says that he's esther was her uncle's um daughter so they're cousins and so is um mordecai adopted her changed her name from hadassah to esther um and then you know also it talks about in chapter i believe it's chapter three no it's still chapter two where it talks about how mordecai saved the king right he overheard two guards um saying how they were plotting to kill the king and so then he told esther and esther then told the king and the king got these two guards, um, you know, executed. And so that moment just reminded me like, wow, that's that's building trust there, you know. Like Mordecai and Esther are building trust with the king. And obviously Esther is already his wife and she's the queen and things like that. But there's there's trust as there's trust that that's being built here, you know. And then it made me think, like, how are we building trust with the Lord? Like when the Lord, again, is asking us to do something, how many times are we going to say no or ignore or just disobey or 
to say, Lord, you know, find someone else or why me or things like that. And yes, obviously, God already knows what decision we're going to make before we make it. But it goes back to relationship. You know, this is a relationship that we have. This is a partnership that we have with the Lord. Um, it's um, yeah, it's an opportunity it's a privilege and an honor that he gives us to partner with him. You know, he doesn't have to do that. And so how are we building trust with the Lord? So these are just things to kind of just meditate and think about. Um, but yeah, and even going over to chapter three, where um, it talks about King Xerxes honoring Haman, right? And so Haman is this, he was like one of the trusted advisors. Um, we don't know why the king decided to honor him, but he promoted him. Um, and required for everyone else to bow before him. And then plot twist. Mordecai was like, I am not bowing before this guy. This guy is full of pride. He's evil. I'm not doing it. I'm not bowing before him. And that made Haman angry. Again, being a prideful man, he's all about titles, all about position. Um, he was so mad, he ordered for Mordecai to be killed, right? And then he learned that Mordecai is a Jew and that added, I guess, more fuel to the fire. Um, so he went even further to plan and destroy Mordecai's people, which is um, the Jews, you know. So then this is kind of like a little side note that I thought was really cool when I was kind of when I was studying. Um, but yeah, so they cast a lot or the pur, which is what they call it in Persia. And so pretty much that's like like a dice where they used to leave a decision to to chance, right? So it's kind of like a heads or tails. Like I think about it like that. Um, but the lot fell on the 12th month, which is almost a year away. It was like 11 months later from that moment, from that time when they casted that lot. Um, and pretty much that's when the extermination of the Jews like would have taken place, right? 11 months later. And I thought it was so interesting. I'm like, man, that's a long time. And then... In the study that I was doing, it brings up Proverbs 16.33, and it says, The lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. I'm like, oh my gosh, these people casted this lot, but God is just like, mm, you can cast that lot all you want, but I got other plans, you know? And I just thought that was so cool. But and even and even then, like the long delay between the first month when the lot was cast and then the month of the massacre, you know, of the Jewish people, like that was ordained by God. You know, think about it. Like that's a long time. <laughs> and the Lord is like, nope, this is not happening. So I thought that was really cool and interesting. But anyway, Haman goes on and he goes and he lies to the king about the Jewish people, um, saying that they have their own laws and that... Um, they don't obey the king, like the laws of the king. And so I I, I think of I when I read this, I get kind of annoyed, but I'm like, you know what? <laughs> There's no use to be getting annoyed. But the king, like, he pretty much just tells Haman, like, you know what? Just take the money and the people, like they're yours. Do whatever you want. Like, do as you see fit with them. And I'm wondering, I'm like, He's probably like tired or just over drama. I don't even know, but he's just like just do whatever you want. Um and so he did. So he put in he put in the order um and it went out to all the provinces. So and then chapter four, Mordecai finds out about this. 
he immediately goes into mourning. He tears his clothes. He puts on sackcloth and ashes. Um, and he goes into this city to literally like cry, like super loud. Um, and there was great mourning among the Jewish people. And I think about that. I'm like, man, like, think about it. You get word that you and your whole community of people are going to be like literally murdered at some point, you know? And then I also think about Mordecai. I'm like, Mordecai has insight. He knows. But anyway, I'll, I'll, I'm getting ahead of myself. So Esther finds out about Mordecai, like, you know, mourning and things like that. And she doesn't really know why. And so then she sends word to find out what's going on. And then Mordecai sends word back about what the deal is and what Haman has caused. And so then that brought fear to her. She's like, oh my gosh, that includes me. I'm a Jew. Like, you know, and so that's just so crazy to me. Um, So then Mordecai tells her or sends word back to her and says, hey, like, this includes you. um, And this also includes all of your people, your relatives, like, like, you need to approach the king and plead for, like, you know, just plead for mercy, you know, like, just tell him not to do that. Like, plead for your people, you know, like, stand in the gap for your people. So then Esther, knowing that she can't approach the king, because there's this law saying you can't approach the king unless you've been summoned. Um, and she hadn't even approached the king in 30 days. She, again, sends that message back to Mordecai. And she's like, hey, like, I can't do that. Like, I'm going to, like, I'm going to die. Like, if I go to, if I go to the king and he hasn't even called for me to go to him, like, I'm done. You know, like, I can't, like, I can just imagine the fear on her in that moment. Um, and then Mordecai comes back. This is it right here. This is the verse. This is chapter four, uh, verse 13 and 14. It says, Mordecai told the messenger to reply to Esther. Don't think that you will escape the fate of all the Jews because you are in the king's palace. If you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will come to the Jewish people from another place. But you and your father's family will be destroyed. Who knows? Perhaps you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Now, I always, when I read this, I'm like, what in the world? And I was thinking, I'm like, so many people focus on, you know, God has called you for such a time as this, or God has need of you for such a time as this, or, you know, like you are in this position for such a time as what, you know, all these things, which is not wrong, you know, and yes, right. But we leave out the the whole beginning portion, the whole sobering part that says, like, don't think that you're going to escape the fate of all the Jew- of all the Jews because you are in the king's palace. Like, you're also Jewish. You know, I can just imagine Mordecai like, hey, this includes you, you know. If you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will come to the Jewish people from another place. That part right there, I was like, Mordecai, how do you know that relief and deliverance will come to the Jewish people from another place? He must have gotten insight from the Lord, you know. Think about it. And then it says, but you and your father's family will be destroyed. That, I'm like, wow, Lord. You're inviting me into this. 
but you're also letting me know if I say no, like it, it just reminds me of God's sovereignty and providence. Like God is still going to do what he says he's going to do because he's not a liar. So either whether you partner with him or not, right? And so, yeah, so I thought that was like, whoa, like that really stood out to me. Um, and again, even going back to that part where it says relief and deliverance will come to the Jewish people. Like this, to me, this confirms that Mordecai knew they would be delivered. Like he just knew, right? I think. So, and I also think, I believe that this may have given Esther some courage. And of course, also the fear of the Lord um, to be bold, right? Because then after that, it says in verse 15, Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, go and assemble all the Jews who can be found in Susa and fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my female servants will also fast in the same way. After that, I will go to the king, even if it's against the law. If I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went and did everything Esther had commanded. This part got me when she said, if I perish, I perish. I'm like, oh, snap. Like, she caught it. She grasped the whole point of it. And at that point, she wasn't just thinking about herself, but she was thinking about the people. And it just reminds me, this life is not my own. You know what I mean? Um, and the whole world does not revolve around me. You know? Uh, we need to think about souls we need to be we need to think about people who are who are lost people who don't know the lord and are we dying to self enough where we can stand in the gap or we can um say yes to the lord even in something so simple but can be so scary for us for the sake of a soul uh and that really like that just messed me up honestly and i'll and i'll I'll share a story in a little bit about that. But yeah, it's not about us. Like, are we willing to die? Are we willing to die to self for the sake of a soul? Right? So then moving on, chapter five, Esther approaches the king. Um, she strategically comes up with a plan, um, you know, when she approaches the king and again, has favor. She approached him. And and she wasn't summoned, let's be reminded. He didn't call for her. He didn't say, hey, bring me my queen, bring me my wife. She just came to him. She dressed in her royal clothing. She stood in the inner courtyard of the palace facing it. The king was sitting on his royal throne in the royal courtroom facing its entrance. As soon as this, the king saw Queen Esther standing in the courtyard, she gained favor with him. Again, she gained favor with him. He could have killed her, but he didn't. So it just confirms the Lord is with her, you know? So, um, yeah, she approached him. She invited the king and Haman to a banquet that she had um, set up. And the king was like, yeah, whatever you want. Like, let's do it, you know? And so, yeah, they have this banquet. They're just hanging out, having a good old time. They're drinking wine and the king is like hey tell me so what is it what is your request what is it that you need and she's like hey my request is that um i host another banquet tomorrow 
and you come back. And in that moment, I'll let you know what my actual request is. Yo, she was plotting. She was being very strategic um, with everything and just being wise, right? And these are all things I believe the Lord was empowering her with. Like the Lord was giving her insight on all of this, right? So again, God will give a strategy to complete any assignment he gives us. Um, and honestly, I'm going to pause right here. You got to read this book so you can get better understanding because right now I'm just leaving a lot of details, a lot of things out because um, it's late and I got to go to bed, but I need to record this. <laughs> but yeah, so God, he really set all of this up, right? So the king, here's what happened. Let me, I'm just going to kind of do a little bit of a fast forward. That night, pretty much that night, the king wasn't sleeping well. So then he ordered his his uh, guards or servants to bring him the history book with all the things that's been going on during his reign, right? While he's been um, reigning the kingdom there. And then he was reading and he found a report of how Mordecai saved his life. Because again, if we go back, it's written in that cha in chapter two, where it says this event was recorded in the historical record in the king's presence. Apparently, the king had forgotten about that. And he was like, wait a minute. Like, what? Like, this man saved my life? Like, did I honor him? And then they were like, no, nah, you never honored him. Like, you never, you never really did anything about it. So then he goes on and he's like... Like, and then Haman shows up and Haman shows up because why he was mad because the day before, um, that, that night at the banquet, after like he was on his way home, he sees Mordecai at the gate. And anytime he sees Mordecai, he just wants to kill the guy. And so at that point he was convinced like by his wife and his friends and stuff to just, to just get him murdered, like just get him killed, not even wait until the, you know, the 11 months and just get it over with, right? So then he approaches, Haman is approaching the king to pretty much let him know, like to convince him to, you know, to get, to kill Mordecai. But when he approaches him, the king comes to him and he's just like, hey, like, how can I honor someone who saved my life? Like, how can I, like, what's the best thing that I can do? You know, what should, what should be done for the man the king wants to honor? And Haman was like, who's, who is it that the king would want to honor more than me? Here we go again. Yo, Haman, <laughs> bro, this pride. Um, you know, and then Haman told the king for the, for the man the king wants to honor, have them bring a royal garment that the king himself has worn and a horse the king himself has ridden which has a royal crown on its head. Anyway, this whole thing, and I'm wondering in that, moment, in that moment if Haman's thinking that he's trying to honor him, right? So, um, yeah, so, and then in verse 10, it said, this is chapter six, chapter six, the king told Haman, hurry and do just as you propose. Take a garment and a horse for Mordecai, the Jew, who is sitting at the king's gate. Do not leave out anything you have suggested. So I can imagine Haman, oh my gosh. <laughs> Haman took the garment and the horse. He clothed Mordecai and paraded him through the city square, calling out before him. This is what is done for the man the king wants to honor. Then Mordecai returned to the king's gate, but Haman hurried off for home, mournful and with his head covered. Yo, homeboy was embarrassed. Like, that is so embarrassing. 
Um, but he told his wife and all his friends everything that happened. His advisors and his wife um, said to him, since Mordecai is Jewish and you have begun to fall before him, you won't overcome him because your downfall is certain. I'm like, what? Did they just like prophesy <laughs> that he's done? Um, while they were still speaking with him, the king's eunuchs arrived and rushed Haman to the banquet Esther had prepared. Again, that's day two of the banquet. He goes to the banquet. That's when Esther pretty much exposes him. Man, I'm not even following my notes. I feel like I'm getting ahead. But um, that's when she exposes him. And yes, Haman gets executed. On the same gallow, which is like the thing where they execute, like the thing that they build or whatever to execute people. Um... But on the same gallow that they had built and made to hang or kill Mordecai on. Isn't that ironic? That's crazy. Yeah. So think about it. Think about this whole story of Esther and how she was invited into this. Like she was given this opportunity to partner with God to stand in the gap, not only for herself, but for her people right? Her relatives, even Mordecai, like that's her, that's like her dad. He raised her since she was a little girl. And so really the point I want to land here is that God, he wants to do life with us. He wants to do life with us. He invites us to join, like to join his work. Um, And it's not just for us. Like it's not for our sake. It's not for us. I mean, it's not for his sake, it's for our sake, is what I'm trying to say. Like, again, the Lord doesn't necessarily need us. I mean, that can be, that can be, like, I I hear a lot of people say, like, God has need of you. Yes, he does, because he wants to have need of us, really, you know? Um, But yeah, he invited Esther to join him in the saving of the Jewish nation. If Esther had refused to go to the king, God still would have saved his people. And that's nice. You know, that's nice to think about and it's comforting. But man, I want, I don't want to waste time. You know what I mean? I want the Lord to use me. Like I want, I want to be intentional. I want to obey him. I want to be an obedient daughter. You know, I don't want the Lord to be like, well, I'm going to have to go choose Sally now since, you know, Carly, you're tripping and you're taking forever, you know, or or just not wanting to, you know, but, but yeah, God still would have saved his people, but she would have missed an opportunity to partner with God. And so this makes me think about the other day I was on a walk. Remember beginning of the episode, I said I was starting on my walks again, but yeah, (laughs) I was on a walk the other day. I wonder, I think it was the first day. I feel like it was the first day. Anyway, um, I'm over here trying to get my life together, trying to breathe, (laughs) trying to, You know, just trying to survive um, on this trail. And so anyway, I'm walking and I'm just talking to the Lord. And I am I think I had worship on and just having this whole moment with God. And um, the people here are so nice. They're, everybody says hi to you. Everybody. Like your people on their bikes, people like, you know, walking. They're, they're going to say good morning to you. And so, you know, I'm, I'm walking and there's this... Um, young lady who I had seen once already we kind of crossed um paths and then I saw her again when we were like you know I guess going back to our cars or whatnot and so 
that time when we had smiled the first time and the second time like she gave me an even bigger smile so i smiled and i keep walking and the lord's like tell her i love her and that i hear her cry and i'm like lord you tell her <laughs> and i keep walking and i'm you know I'm, I'm, i'm doing a little brisk walk here so i'm walking pretty fast and she's walking fast and so Again, I just hear him so clearly. He's like, tell her I love her and that I hear her cry. And I'm like, but Lord, she's kind of far now. And he's like, you can run after her. I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm just going back and forth. And at this point, she's, we're just getting further and further apart. <laughs> Next thing you know, I find myself turning around and running after this young lady. And by the time I get to her, I haven't ran in so long. Anyway, by the time I get to her, I'm so out of breath. And I'm like leaning over. I'm like, hi, I'm so sorry. I'm out of breath. But the Lord just had me run after you. And I'll say this, even as I was running towards her, my heart, like I was just like, I mean, besides the fact that I couldn't breathe and I was trying to catch my breath. But my heart was just like, I felt like I... I'm like, Lord, this is how you're pers- you pursue your people. Like, you run after us. You know, you're literally running after this young lady, you know. And so I get to her. I'm like, hi, I'm so sorry. I'm out of breath. And, I, and then I'm thinking, I don't want to scare her. She has her headphones in. I don't want her to be like, whoa, you know. Anyway, you already know all the things. So I was like, I just, the Lord, the Lord just, the Lord, the Lord. Anyway, the Lord had me turn around. <laughs> Oh my gosh, the Lord had me turn around to tell you that he loves you and he hears your cry. Yo, this lady, this, I want to say this girl, but she's, she's a young lady. This woman started to cry right there and then, and we were kind of paused. That's another thing. I was kind of like, I didn't want to go because I didn't want to mess up the time on my Nike run app. <laughs> Yo, honestly, these, I'm being so honest. And these are dumb little excuses that we give ourselves when God is calling us to do something. So simple to tell someone that he loves them, you know, and that and that he hears their cry. So when I say that to her and she starts to cry, then I start to cry because I'm like, oh, man, Lord, like this, this really just happened right now. And she's like, I really needed to hear that. Like I was just praying and talking to God and just saying, like, I need him, you know, and and like wondering if. You know, and so I'm like, oh my gosh, like, so we had that whole moment and then I just kept walking with her and, and the Lord just ministered to her and he was ministering to me at the same time, just seeing how he was ministering to her. I'm like, what in the world? So I could have missed that whole opportunity. I could have like, granted, yes, God could have used anybody else. Maybe the next girl, you know, who was further down the trail, who knows, you know, um, But I could have missed that opportunity for even me to be encouraged and see like, wow, Lord, you pursue us. You love us so much that you um, you're just so intentional with us, you know, and you know exactly what to tell us. And the fact that, you know, she was saying, I've been going through so much like I really needed to hear that. Like I've been going through a lot and I'm like, oh, my goodness. So the fact that the Lord intentionally said, I hear your cry, that means her saying that she's gone through a lot. She's obviously been crying out to God. Like, that's amazing. The Lord is so mindful of us. Like he, 
sees us. It just shows like how he he sees her, you know? And so it's so cool. We exchange numbers and all those things. So I'm excited to connect with her. But yeah, we just need to remember like God's providence. Um, like he like it covers us. It covers us. And his providence is wise and it's holy. Right? And providence is like and I wanted to look up the definition. Sometimes we say words, we're like, what does that mean? You know, but it means the protective care of God. Like God protects us. He cares for us. He gives us wisdom. He makes us holy. He He completes us with all, with all of these things when we obey and we accept his invitation to partner with him. Because his timing and and his calling is, it's no mistake. He's placed us, right? He's placed us here and just like Esther, he's placed us for such a time as this, you know, but we need to think about the other part of it. Like I have a decision to make. Yes, he's placed me here for such a time as this. He's called me for such a time as this, but I still have a decision um, on whether or not I'm going to accept that call or that invitation. Because then what's the whole point? You know what I mean? Yeah, he can call me, but if I'm not accepting the call and I'm not picking up, I'm not accepting the invitation, then then there's no point in, you know, there's no point. Um, so yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Honestly, I'll, I'll end with this question. What is the Lord inviting you to partner with him on? And, um, what's holding you back from saying yes. So think about these things, ponder on these points and these things um, that I shared. I'm going to add some notes for clarity onto the um, show notes as well. So that way y'all can go back because I know I kind of paused a lot and um, maybe a little scattered here and there. But y'all get the, the point. Um, God wants to do life with you. He wants you to partner with him. He wants to partner with you. And that is a privilege and an honor um yeah so father i thank you <sighs> i thank you i thank you i thank you i love you we love you lord thank you for inviting us thank you that you don't leave us out <laughs> we're not left out um of the party otherwise at the party but <laughs> We're not left out, Lord. You and in, you invite us. You want us to be a part. You want to do life with us. Hmm. What a privilege, Lord. What an honor it is that you want to partner with us. You don't even have to. You can do everything all on your own. You're the creator of the universe. You created this universe in six days. All the animals all the trees, all the things. You don't have to partner with us, but you choose to because you love us. And because you find pleasure in that, God. So Father, I just pray that um, every daughter that listens to this episode, um, I come against the spirit of shame and condemnation. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. God, I thank you that this would ignite a fire in them to obey and us to obey, God. So I'm still walking this out. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you that you see us, that you are mindful of us. Thank you that you equip us and that it's not by our might or by our power, but it's by your spirit. And so when we say yes, God, I pray that um, that we would remember how your favor has been on our lives, how you have um, given us words to speak when you're calling us to share a word or share an encouragement or to teach or to um, start a podcast or to write a book or um, write devotionals, whatever it is, Lord, I thank you that you equip us to do it, that we're not doing it alone because this is a partnership with you, God. So I just pray over every daughter, Lord, that there would be a, an urgency in their spirit to obey you, to obey you quickly, to accept the invitation to partner with you, God. In Jesus' name, we love you. Amen. Amen, daughters. Pray you all have a wonderful time um, <laughs> doing whatever it is you need to do today. And um, yeah, the Lord goes before you. You're a daughter. You hear his voice. So stand firm and think about what he's inviting you into to partner him on. Amen. Peace, love. How Victoria says, what should she say? Peace, love, and I don't know. Peace and love. Love y'all. Bye.